We're going to move on to a discussion that is equally important. Um, the looking specifically at transformation in South Africa and really asking the question, does black leadership lead to transformation in any organization? Today, the president spoke at the black industrialists in Daba and called for uh, what he named a mixed economy. And he spoke about the need to broaden uh, ownership, control and management of the economy so that we see transformation in organizations. And in light of that, I, I picked out an article by uh, Buyani Zwane in the Black Management Forum's empowerment publication that asks if black leadership leads to transformed Organizations. I'll take your call on this discussion, 0891104207. I'm joined in studio by lecturer at Gibbs and an HR management and leadership specialist, Buyan Izwane. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, lady. Thank you very much for having me in the studio. I, I think, you know, the question, does black, uh, does black leadership lead to transformation, seems like such a simple one. And then the answers that you give, you know, not so simple. Um, does blackness automatically lead to transformation? No, not at all. Not at all. Well, maybe we need to just talk to the whole concept of transformation. Mm -hmm. Why is it necessary for us to be able to talk about transformation in our country? Mm -hmm. Because for many, many years we've had an economy that just didn't make sense. Mm. Um, When you have more than 80% of the population not participating actively in the economy or being relegated to roles that aren't really about decision making mm. but uh, about implementation of decisions then you know for a fact that you need to be doing something in order to be able to bring them in mm. any organization that is wanting to be able to bring about change needs to be able to have people who own the change not renters of change right. not bystanders mm-hmm. not watchers of change you need to be able to have people who are going to be active in the process of change right. and therefore transformation is critical and too often what we look for is the, the pigmentation becomes the issue. Right. Okay, so the blackness of the people, because they happen to be black and they happen to be in senior roles, we presume that the organization is transformed. Mm. Does not does not automatically translate into that. And why not? In, in the article that you put together, you, you talk about various types of, of black leaders. And, and I want to unpack that a little mm-hmm. bit more. You talk about gatekeepers yep. th- that, that stop transformation. And these yep. are black leaders that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Well, they're black managers, in fact, and mm-hmm. they're not quite black leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's, <laughs> and, I, and I'm deliberate in mm-hmm. stating that, mm-hmm. because leadership is about movement. Mm-hmm. If there is no movement that you're cre- creating in an organization, no then you're not providing any leadership at all. And management is about maintaining things. And it's about making sure that things are done the right way. Right. So it's keeping things in, in place. When you're talking about leadership, you're talking about people who are going to be working on a system and managers are working in a system. Mm. And that, that's a key distinction. So if you're going to be talking to anything about transformation, you need people who are going to be leaders. Gatekeepers are there to maintain status quo. Mm. And more often than not, they tend to be people who are threatened by change themselves. So it's good for them to be the only ones who can be regarded as having made it. Right. And what we're looking for in in a country like ours, I mean, in, in, in a few weeks' time, we will be handing over the key to South Africans and saying, you are now 21 years old, you should be able to take care of yourself. Mm. But we have done very little to bring about the necessary creation of an environment within which that person who is now 21 years old can play their role. Right. It's not happening because sometimes it is 
people who are supposed to be quote unquote beneficiaries of the process who are working against the process. But but surely over the past twenty one years we haven't done too badly. I mean we can't say that you know for the past decade and a bit we've uh, two decades rather we we we've only failed. I mean in the first ten years of our democracy and you mentioned this in the article mm-hmm. uh, the, the the Black Management Forum giving recognition to various institutions yep. for for introducing transformation in their own organisations. Truthfully, we did that, and uh, within the BMF, I mean, I, I spoke to the first decade as having been one where significant change was taking place. Mm. But what you will also take note is that it was led primarily by state-owned ent- entities. Mm-hmm. So state-owned companies were the ones that were taking the real lead. There were few companies that we could talk to. I mean, the likes of NAMPEC were organizations that we recognized because somehow they were able to observe that it is in the involvement of the people from shop floor level mm-hmm. in the decision-making, not just in the doi-doi activity, mm-hmm. but in the decision-making, looking into the the destiny, future destinies, they were able to say, when we are charting an Africa growth strategy, we need to be able to have people who understand Africa. Right. And they happen to be Africans. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it became necessary to, for that organization to be able to invite more and more of the people who don't necessarily have the university qualifications, which is what most institutions tend to be looking for. Yes. Who don't necessarily have tertiary qualifications, but they have been in the business long enough to understand what are the issues. Right. So when you look back into when we promulgated, as it were, the employment equity legislation, Mm -hmm. what we immediately began to talk to was, among others, that we are going to be recognizing the potential that a person has Mm. to be able to contribute to the success of the organization. We spoke about the necessity to be able to look into prior learning. Mm -hmm. How much have the people been able to learn in the work environment that they are operating within? And those are things that are not talking about Experience and qualifications, and formal qualifications. Mm. But it's, it's looking at other elements which are very good contributors to the change that's required. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, unsettled because we have to go into the news. And I want to, I want to really take a bite into this conversation because yes, yes. At, at some point you also talk about identity. Yeah. And, and, and black, and I, now I'm wary of using the word manager or, or leadership, but uh, whether black uh, management is, is themselves, in themselves, proud of, of, of being products of affirmative action. Well, let, let's put it this way. Let's look at the word affirmative action. Mm. It is included in our employment equity legislation deliberately. And it's brought in when we're talking to affirmative action measures. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about affirmative action broadly. Mm. We're saying affirmative action measures, mm-hmm. which are actions that are there to be able to correct the previous imbalances in the workplace. Mm. So when you look into affirmative action and you translate that into the Afrikaans language, what does it speak to? It's called rach stellende axi which means it's corrective action. Mm. So when you are coming into a working environment where you look around and you say, I come from an 80% of the population of the country, and yet I come in, I become a minority immediately. Mm. Something ain't right there. Mm. There's got to be something that needs to be done in the organization. When you're looking into that and you're saying, who actually is going to be buying the products that are coming from this organization? It's that 80% that is excluded. Mm. So there's something wrong in there. There are some people who are uncomfortable with affirmative action as a label being brought through to them because it has been associated with it is just your color that has brought you into this position. Right. You don't have the necessary qualifications to do the job. Mm. You, don't, you didn't earn the position by merit. So you are in here just because you happen to be helping us to do the numbers. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are uncomfortable yeah. with that.
There's some people who are uncomfortable with affirmative action because what has happened is that even amongst themselves as black people, they begin to realize that there is a, a negative labeling mm. that they each give to each other, okay? Which is really about, I'm not, I'm not really looking at you as somebody who, who is a core, a key contributor mm. to the success of the organization. You are in here to make the numbers. Mm. So, w- w- when it's coming through from your own quote-unquote black brothers, right. you have a problem. It becomes very difficult for you to be able to stand firm and hold up, you know, be erect as you, as you walk around. You, you kind of like look into it and you say, am I really who I say I am? Mm. Am I recognized for what I think I am? So when you look into the issues of self-esteem, that is short. Yeah. The moment people create doubt about your capability and your capacity, there's a problem. And therefore, you begin to find that affirmative action becomes a, a swear word. That's, that's, that's what I, I speak to. <laughs> it becomes a swear word because no one really wants to embrace it. And yet, we do say to ourselves, and from a black management forum perspective, we actually say, had it not been for affirmative action, mm-hmm. there could be particular areas where we would still be maintaining status quo pre-1990. Right. And we need to be able to take those particular actions. I, I, I'm going to just jump in there because it's 8 o'clock and time for the news. Mm. But when we return, I want to, I, I want to actually ask this question to, to our listener. Is it really the responsibility of black management, of black leadership to, to, bring, abra- to bring about transformation? If, is it Buyan Ezwale's responsibility to see that there is transformation in, in the structures that, that, that he is in? 0891 It's 8 o'clock and Greg Khos has you. SAFM News, I'm Greg Khos. The Talk Shop. Five minutes after eight o'clock, you're on the Talk Shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Naledi, and I'm chatting to Buyani Zwane, lecturer at Gibbs and an HR, and manage, HR management and leadership specialist who also serves on the council of UCT. We're talking transformation in the workplace and asking, does black leadership lead to transformed organization? What does it take to bring about uh, transformation? And what is uh, transformational leadership? And, and is there enough support given to black leaders to bring about the transformation that we're talking about? 891 to give us a call. Uh, that number again, 891 Send your SMSs to 34701. Before the news, I asked the question... Um, is it, is, it, is it a black leader's responsibility to bring about transformation? I mean, I'm here. I, I've struggled to get here myself. Is it my responsibility to bring others with? It gets to be lonely mm. if you're going to be in the position and you don't care about bringing about transformation for others. Mm. You don't want to be getting there and be alone. Mm. Leadership is about having people working with you. Mm. Okay. So remember, at the beginning we spoke about leadership is about movement. Right. Now, if you if you're gonna be there and then you you circle, then you become a settler. You're mm. no longer a leader, and that doesn't help. It is my responsibility as a leader to be able to ensure that I facilitate the process of transformation, particularly when I'm black, mm. because I can see what's happening in my world, that it is an uneven world. Unless I do something to even it out, mm. then I'm creating difficulties for people who are going to be coming after me. It's my responsibility. Right. I may not be held accountable for all that happens, but it remains my responsibility. Right. 
in the organization, the person at the helm of the organization becomes accountable. Now, in all business, we set goals for ourselves. Mm. How can we not set a goal for transformation? How can we not set a goal for right. We set goals for growth. And when we're saying we're setting goals for growth, if you were to talking to this in the space of marketing, in marketing you'd be saying to yourself, I want to be able to reach this market segment. And reaching that market segment requires you to take specific action to go to that market and appeal to them so that they see what you have as being something they should purchase, so they see value right. in it. So the same thing goes on in terms of when you're looking into an organization and you're saying, are we transformed or not? Here's a challenge that we often find, though, is that the moment we step into position, primarily black people mm-hmm. step into positions, other black people tend to relax. They chill. And somehow there's a, there's a way. Why? Something goes on in our country where we're finding that instead of being able to be there to support the person who's in, the, in, the, in a senior role, we say, one of ours is there now. So we are okay. We've arrived. And that's not helping us at all. Mm. It is upon us to be able to make sure that we are putting as much support and pressure to the person who's at, at the helm to be able to say, you are there to give an example mm. to the younger people yes. who are wanting to be able to have role models of excellence. You see, Aristotle said this many, many years ago, mm-hmm. that mediocrity is a habit, and so is excellence. Mm. Excellence is a habit. And we need to be able to say to ourselves, as Africans, we care about excellence. We care about people looking into the continent and finding great things. And therefore, when we take on positions of leadership, we need to be able to look into how are we making others to find lessons out of what we do. Leadership is also a choice. There are choices that we make when we assume the position of leadership. Right. How does it become a choice? I get to be able to look into how do I get the hearts and minds and souls of people connected to what I'm doing? As a leader, I need to be able to cast a vision of the future. I've got to create as much discomfort with the current so that there is a desire to go to the better. Right. And if I'm not doing that, no one is going to embrace the point of transformation. Mm. No one is going to embrace change. In fact, you probably will be aware of the fact that adults hate change. Yes. The only people who enjoy change are babies with wet nappies. <laughs> the only people who are even cry out for change. Adults don't do that. Mm. So what you need to do is to present something that is enticing enough about the future, but create as much pain about the current status. Well, you, you keep using the word pain, and I guess that's where, I mean, if you're a black leader, a black manager, you, you're going to talk about, yes, it, it is discomfort, it is pain, so what do I do with that? Uh, and how do I ensure that that is productive? I'll take your calls on 0891 We're talking black leadership, and, and, and whether it should lead to, 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 to transformation uh, in the workplace. 0891 Poloko is in Johannesburg. Poloko, you're my namesake, my Second name is Buluko as well. Hi, um, yes, I'm Buluko from Randsburg, not Johannesburg. Oh, okay. Oh, Rands, okay. Yes, Buluko, Buluko um, what is your contribution? Uh, my contribution is... Okay, Buluko, I'm going to have to uh, ask you to call back because your line is terrible. 
sorry about that. Busi's in Rodiport. Busi, good evening. Hi, lady. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you. Buyane, how are you? I'm very together. Thank you very much. And how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for the brilliant topic and mm-hmm. a brilliant speaker. Thank I actually you. absolutely like Buyane's views on transformation. They mm-hmm. are very radical and it's very unapologetic, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to mental transformation. But then what I think I'd like to, or rather to answer your question maybe, or just to contribute into what you have just said in terms of, you know, is uh, a black leader supposed to be at the forefront of transformation, mm-hmm. you know, in the organizations? I think that's what you have asked. Mm. I think, no, I, I don't think that it is, it's not expected that, um, or rather it's not a must that black leaders should be charging transformation in the organization. It, but it is rather, all leaders should actually be charging, uh, charging transformation. But I think it is more expected of black leaders, you know, in ensuring right. that transformation happens within the organization. Whether they acknowledge it or not, you know, they are beneficiaries of transformation. But I think what we find is a phenomenon of a lack of courageous leadership in our black leaders. That is why transformation is not happening. But I think what I'd like to find out from Buyani is, uh, I'd just like to hear his view on why he thinks, you know, uh, uh, because this is what we're grappling with. I'm from the BMS, by the way, as the okay. BMS. You know, this is what we're grappling with in terms of how do we really make transformation happen? Because there's been legislation upon legislation, you know, that has been passed right. to ensure that it happens, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd just like to share a practical view from Brianna in terms sure. of how can we actually, yeah, you know, champion the cause and ensure okay. that our black leaders are doing what they're supposed to do. I like that, Busi. Thank you. Solutions, solutions. Mlu is in Durban. Mlu, good evening. Hi, Naledi. Yes, thank you for calling uh, me, Mlu. And Brianna again. Hello. Hi. In fact, I want to allude to the previous thing. Mm. And he's, she's, she's spot on. Because what, and I want to extend that, Naledi, to say this even goes to economic transformation. Mm. Yes, because you know, Naledi, the challenges we are having in South Africa is that we have so-called leaders who are only there to benefit, benefit themselves and probably their close associates, you know. Because immediately, once you come to a, a crawl where you, you didn't have any contribution, Naledi, by nature, you'll be you'll feel you'll feel small, and mm. you'll be apologetic to the to the whole system, you know. Now the question is that we don't have the courageous leaders who are going to take the bull by its horn, you know, and be able to crack the whip in terms of addressing the agenda of the country, you know, because there's nobody in his right mind who's going to give away power just like that, you know. Mm. The very same people that are going to the, sorry the white people that are going to put you there, they will make sure. They, they sabotage you. Whether they sabotage you in, in golf courses, whether they're going to take major decisions, you are a chairman there, eventually you'll go and rubber stem those uh, decisions that have been taken at the golf course. Because you don't have any contribution from the beginning. You know? right. Same with you. Yes. And that's where, that's where credible leadership is important, Mlu. Thank you for calling in. Puluko is you. back on the line. Puluko, welcome to the talk shop. Yes. Um, um, thanks for accepting back again. And then... Uh, uh, and good evening to your guests and the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, my contribution is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've noticed is that when uh, black leaders get into position, um, they tend to forget what their role is in terms of transformation. 
Um, maybe it's because of the lack of information as far as transformation is concerned. Uh, for example, in terms of Employment Equity Act, Skills Development Act, and local procurement, mm. um, these are the people that we, that we expect them to, to make a difference uh, in transforming the workplace and also, and most importantly, on the local uh, procurement as well, to can help the emerging black entrepreneurs to progress. But that is not happening. You find a brother or sister is in a senior position, but he or she can't even help an emerging uh, black entrepreneur to prosper. Yeah, and that, that's where the, the, the I think, uh, and we only touches on this in the, in the article as well, talking about the need for mentorship and coaching. Uh, Puloko, thank yes. you for calling. Uh, I'll take one more call. Warren is in the Eastern Cape. You can keep calling in. I'll, I'll, I'm just taking this batch first, 0891-104207. Warren in the Eastern Cape. Warren, good thank evening. you for calling in. Uh, good evening. I appreciate your taking my call. Sure. Uh, until uh, black people learn to put money, not government money, their own money into business, and take the risk that many people like myself have taken. I took a risk at the age of 50. Put your own money in. Don't borrow money. Get money together, not government money. Things will never happen in small business. They are not going to happen when they are get spoon-fed. Uh, people don't come to the party. You see, they rely on other people. You have to be self-sufficient. You have to generate enough money either through a stock fails or through something else, hmm. but not government, because government feeding people is not the right way to do it. Have a look at the East. Have a look at Indonesia. I've been there. This place thrives. Why? Entrepreneurs taking a chance. Hmm. And if they fail, they fail. But people here don't want to take a chance. I'm in the clothing business, micro clothing, but I support 10 people. Hmm. I have to find business every day to put food on the table for 10 people, and it's not easy, madam. But let's hope somebody's got some spirit and gumption and uh, they get off their butts and do it. Okay. Right. Warren, thank you for calling thank in. You. Uh, I'll take the next batch of callers in the next uh, five minutes or so, 0891 uh, A lot to respond to, Buyani, but I think mm. you know all of these points are, you, you've touched on in the article as yep. well. And, and Warren talks about a sense of ownership. You know, Once you've got your own money invested in something, mm. you, you'll ensure that it works efficiently. You, you'll ensure that you see transformation in your own institution. Absolutely, but I think we need to be able to address some elements of what Warren is speaking mm-hmm. to. Warren is speaking to the fact that you need to use your own money to right. be able to get the business going. It is a little bit unfair to be able to say that right now. Because when you care to think about many of the industries that we've got in our country, between 1948 and 19, 1990, a lot of money was poured into creating industries which are White owned mm. right now. Mm. We've got now we've got ArcelorMittal, but ISCO was established, and government put money into it. Mm-hmm. We, we look at Sasol; it's now a, a global enterprise, but it was kicked off by government. Mm. There are a whole lot of factories that were put in place in order to be able to support what was going on with SA railways and harbors, as it was called in those years. Mm. Those things were done in order to be able to ensure that there was no poor white. Remember that. There was a time when we had something that was called a poor white problem. Mm. And therefore, the government of the time took action to actively employ people. If you look at places such as Fox Trust, if you were to go there, you will find that there's a whole lot of homes that are now deserted because something was done in order to be able to bring white people to live there and fix trains. Mm. Okay, and, and it was kind of like 
in order to be able to ensure there was money coming into, into to the household, to be able to restore the dignity of a household. We, not, we cannot be expecting that people who have not been afforded the opportunity to be able to own will immediately have the money. Right. We also have a situation where the financial institutions are not playing ball. So when you come through and you happen to have had, you missed a payment of a school fees or, or you, you had a bank loan, mm. you, you missed that. And now you have a name, a blot against your name. Mm. You're not able to borrow money. Now you're needing to be able to have somebody who's going to be able to finance you and you can't get that. That's not helping anyone. Mm. In the past, however, you had the, in the times when you still had your Volkswagen, and you had your Allied, you had your United, but all of those were making it easy for entrepreneurs, white entrepreneurs. To but there's still a valid point there in the sense that ownership does bring about, if, if a black manager or, or, or a leader has a stake in, 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 in the business, that transformation is easier in that sense. I'm very much with you there. Yeah. I was just addressing the issue sure. of entrepreneurship yeah. and the fact that we are not having many small businesses mm-hmm. because that's, that was the slant that Warren came with mm-hmm. and spoke to his clothing business and his trips over to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to address that. Sure. I have also spoken to this in the article about the importance of ownership. Mm. But I want to go back to what Bussi was raising earlier on in terms of, so what do we do as, uh, as, as black managers? What do we do as the Black Management Forum? I've always highlighted that in the 1990s, the BNF had a process through which we trained up young people to become change agents mm. in the organizations that they were in. And they had other managers who could play mentors to them. So I would be able to meet up with, you know, the first president of the BMF, Eric Mafuna, and I would be able to have a conversation with him with what are some of the challenges that I'm facing in the company that I'm working for. And he would give me some ideas of, well, while I was working in J.W. Thompson in in the advertising industry, here are some of the challenges that we faced, and this is what we did. And and that gave me, the emboldened me to be able to face up to the challenges that are coming through. Now, what unfortunately is happening is that many of the branch structures have fallen through. You're finding that a whole lot of people are rushing so much to get into top jobs that they're not allowing themselves to be taught how to facilitate change. Right. For change to happen, you need people who are going to be called catalysts. Unless you've got a catalyst who is prepared to be able to say, I will be in front of this and I will deal with whatever comes. And hello, whoever is behind me, come through. I will tell you what I'm going through. Right. Back in 1992, we began to have our first tranche, as it were, of empowerment deal. We spoke about Nail being one of the biggest deals that was put through when Sunlam sold out a share of what was then Metropolitan mm-hmm. and sold that through to to, uh, to to Nail. At that point, we began to have an ownership of more than t- almost 10% of the JSE. What are the numbers now? We are in single digits. Mm. Okay, 21 years later, yeah. we are now in single digits. We were in double digits with one key transaction and others that followed up. Now we're at a contested 3%. Exactly, we are. Because on the other hand, what we also find is that the economy is growing so slowly because, again, the people who would be growing that economy are outside of the economy. Mm. And you've got young people who are not getting employment. And when they're not getting employment, they're becoming disillusioned. And the things they do aren't the things that are going to be able to have 
build. I, I just need to take a look at some of the SMSs that have come in. Please forgive me for saying this, but I think that our black countrymen are hypocritical regarding transformation. I feel the Constitution is ambiguous, claiming equality amongst all, and even going so far as to say that we shouldn't be prejudiced based on skin color. How is it that in the workplace distinction is made, you cannot censor colored people for not claiming blackness, yet you, you sideline them when it comes to occupation? How does one have a debate when the basics need uh, to be addressed? My honest opinion in a colored guy. That's how it's, it's, it's been written, a colored guy at the end. Masilo Mokaba uh, says, uh, Evening, my lady, black leadership is exactly meant for transformation. But unfortunately, some of the blacks appointed to roll, appointed to roll over the same process turn to be the hindrances they allow inferi- inferiority complexes to affect their leadership when it comes to appointment and empowerment of black candidates. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to wrap it up there. Mm. I think it, this, is, this is a very large discussion. But let's have some closing thoughts. And mm. And we've talked about some solutions, but more than anything, if you are a black, a black leader or, or a black management or, or a member of the board of an organization mm. and you want to see transformation mm. in the structure that you're mm. in, mm. the challenge then becomes bringing your colleagues on board that mission. Absolutely. How does one do that? Well, every organization sets goals, mm. plain and simple. So let's ask ourselves, what is the vision that has been articulated about this organization? Does it speak to inclusion? Let's look into the mission of this organization. Does it speak to inclusion? Because mm-hmm. if it does not speak in any way in forms of inclusion, it's, it's going to exclude by virtue of that. So, I mean, I'm going to take you back to some things that we said back in the 1990s when we put the Basuto heads in the BMF. And we said there are people who are excluded in the key decision-making positions. Yes. So, in the board... When you have all the people who are beneficiaries of status quo, they're not going to change. I have yet to find a techie that celebrates Christmas. None (laughs) whatsoever. And therefore, you'll find that those who see themselves threatened by the change will resist the change. Mm. However, we will know that transformation has happened when those who who consider themselves as non-beneficiaries of employment equity, non-beneficiaries of triple BEE, when those begin to be able to say, wait a minute, we need this change. I mean, I've just recently come come back from, 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 from Harare. And one of the interesting things that I found was that in the plane flying into Harare, the voices that were behind me were all speaking Afrikaans. Mm. Hello? Now, they, are, they have seen opportunities in Zimbabwe. They're leaving South Africa to go and explore and grow things in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Now, what we get in the media is, is not communicating to what I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. When they go through to, to, to countries such as Kenya, I see a lot of African speakers going in there. And they, they, they found opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we need to look into the same thing. Mm-hmm. Does transformation lead us to a point where we're wanting to grow the cake? Right. And that's what we're needing to be able to look for. Get to a situation where black and white are embracing the change and wanting the change because it is for our future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I'd love to have you back to have this discussion again. Uh, Buyan is one, a lecturer at Gibbs and an HR management and leadership specialist, also serving on the Council of UCT. Thank you for your time and for flying in uh, all the way from Zim just to, just to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Naledi. I appreciate you having me. All right. It's the talk shop on SAFM.